0: Hello and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market. And let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey, guys, it's Troy from the Tap Market podcast here today with Mary Pelletieri of Top Note. Mary, I'll give you a chance to say hello and please introduce Top Note how you got started, where you started, what the company is, and we'll take it from there.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Troy. Hi, Tap Market. I'm Mary Pelleteri. I'm the co-founder and president of Top Note. Top Note has been around since 2017, right out of the gate, making award-winning mixers in the sparkling format. We have six products now on the market and launching canned soft drinks as we speak. So we are Firmly in the soft drink and non-alcoholic beverage space and loving every minute of it.
0: So what brought you into this space? If we take a giant step back, where did you start your career that got you moseying down starting your own brand here?
1: Very good question. I've always been in beverage and I started actually as interest in food science and specifically in plants and how we use plants. And I went and got a botany degree, got a public health degree a little bit later, assuming I was going to continue to study how people use plants for health and well-being. And along the way, I somehow got started working in beer. (laughs) So the beer trade kind of took me To my first career path, I was homebrewing. I was working at the Siebel Institute, which is a beer school and laboratory, was based in Chicago. And it was a great foundation for beverage. I stayed in food, food science and beverage, staying in beer pretty much the whole time. So I was working in beer from small breweries to big breweries until I decided to step out of the beer trade in 2013. 14, And I started making cocktail syrups at home. So I was very into beverage kind of all my career from a quality perspective and flavor perspective. So when we launched Top Note, the brand name actually means flavor. And it's kind of a term that flavor chemists use to describe flavor. So I thought it was an opportune time to get out of the beer and alcohol industry and into something non-alcoholic. We're adjacent to alcohol because we make mixers, but it's been really fun. I take a very much a quality flavor approach to what we do.
0: So I have to ask this now because everybody's probably going to be thinking it. What is your drink of choice?
1: (laughs) I got asked that all the time when I was the quality manager at breweries. What's your favorite beer? Oh gosh, <laughs> do I need to? I, and I used to say it's the beer that's freshest and in front of me.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: Because <laughs> it was so hard to it was so hard to say what your favorite beer is when you know if you're traveling the world, which I actually got to do when I was in the beer trade. I went to Japan. I went to Europe. And you got to taste beer all the time and whatever was fresh and in front of you was your favorite of the moment. But what my favorite drink is now, that is also hard to say. I'm somewhat obviously biased towards tonic water and our mixers. If I'm drinking a cocktail, I'll keep it simple and just do gin and tonic. I really enjoy gin as a spirit. I think it's quite creative, quite innovative, And second to that, I would say is anything agave-based, mezcal, tequila. I really do love those spirits as well. Because I think the flavors are just spectacular. And then I can go into rum, but I'm not going to go that way.
0: (laughs) That's fine. So where did you get your first product? So we're breaking into starting the business a little bit. How did you develop your first product And then how did you sell it? Or how did you get the feedback from the audience to say, this is good? Or, you know, those early days when you were like, I'm going to go try this.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the same story as a lot of small to eventually larger brands, um, if they're successful and lucky in in the sense that they gain enough following. But I was... In the beer trade, I was actually making herbal beers in my basement still, just kind of goofing around with different herbal syrups to put on top of beer. And I thought instead of that, I was just putting it into sparkling water. And I really liked the flavors I was making. So I was kind of making these herbal tinctures at home. And At the same time, the bartenders of the world were making tonic syrups. And in some ways, they were very similar. So I decided to just take these tinctures, these syrups, and hand make them. And we actually formally got a canning license to do this professionally in a kitchen. But we ended up going to farm markets at first with our syrups, our cocktail syrups. At the time, people were just drinking them without any alcohol so they would mix them with some sparkling water and say these are good as is and i thought well geez if i can make that maybe it's time i move into soft drinks and you know coming out of beer i knew how to make soft drinks i knew that you can work with co-packers you just have to provide a formula so that's where we took it next and in 2017 we launched top note as a sparkling beverage
0: where are you primarily selling your products today where's your core purchaser from?
1: We primarily sell our products into alcohol beverage distributors and they get products into market. Most of that channel is um, on premise bars and restaurants, and any off premise locations would include liquor stores and especially food stores. We do have a placement with Whole Foods Midwest, and that goes through a different type of distributor. And we also have our products in the bag and box format, which is a little unique being in premium mixers, to go after the desert of what a lot of (laughs) others wouldn't bother with, which is the soda gun. But we were asked so often, if you had this on the gun, I'd be really happy to have it. So we, early on, actually in 2016, we made our products from the cocktail syrups in the farmer's markets. We had those put into a bag-and-box format.
0: Do you actually go out and meet with the bars and do any testings or or do you solely rely on the distributors today to get in front of the customer initiation?
1: A little bit of both. It's good for us to have those connections, especially in the hospitality trade, we're going to have a booth for the first time ever at the National Restaurant Association show in Chicago this year, because it is important to make those initial connections, just like any brand that's getting into retail. They either rely on a broker or themselves to actually make those original conversations, and then the distributor will execute. It's a little different, though, in alcohol beverage, because they really do take on a combination of selling as well as simply distributing for brands. So they've got big brands that they're getting into every single nook and cranny in the state usually, and the big brands aren't doing all that up and down the street selling. So we have a little bit of both. They do quite a bit of it and we do rely on them quite a bit for that because we're really just a two-person team, but we also rely on some brokers and obviously ourselves to get those sales done.
0: Being a two-person team today, I'm imagining you're not doing the actual mixing or brewing or whatnot. You work with a co-packer to do that now. Yes. Are they local to you or are they somewhere else?
1: Well, the current co-packers in Pennsylvania, we have made our soft drinks and cans locally. And we're talking to more local co-packers to do further exploration of those products and others. So we're always trying to work locally. Our bag-and-box products are made locally now. And it's just easier to have it so far away. It's challenging to see quality and that sort of thing coming off. And it's nice to be able to work in a way in which you don't have to ship full truckloads just to make it economically work. You know, yeah. Right now, we're shipping every two to three months back into our warehouse, holding that inventory and then remaking. And it's, you know, from a business perspective... <laughs> That's where all your capital goes.
0: (laughs) Yes. I feel like it's also nice to be able to like when you're developing new products, when you're doing R and D to be able to work with somebody in person, especially when you're doing tastings of things. Like, sure you can fly to Pennsylvania. That's pretty easy today, but it's I don't know, it's just kind of different when you can go up the road. Yes. You may grow out of somebody who's just up the road eventually, which it seems like you might have even done, but uh I know that feeling. I would never bring something to market I couldn't touch and feel myself extensively and put in the hands of other people because I find myself even not necessarily the perfect taste that represents the market that I address all the time, right? Like Forrest and Herald one of our brands. It's a men's accessories company. We started with wallets. We have like wristwear now. And I'm not necessarily like the best judge of what wristwear all of the modern dads that we target want. I have to bring it to my customers. I have to have them taste it. So being able to get samples and get them in the hands of the customers has been the only way we have enough confidence to bring something to market on our end. So
1: Right. That pilot to bench to scale process is a process. We stand out a little bit in the competition that we actually still do all that ourselves. So, you know, as founders, we take the product development is kind of our job. We don't farm it out. We don't ask a flavor company to do it for us. We do it ourselves. So I do think that's a little bit of a differentiation. Well, that is a big differentiation with Top Note. We hold probably the most gold medals for our classic tonic than any other company because we do taste the product that's coming you know, <laughs> off of the formula as a syrup. We make it ourselves, and then we scale it. We do hold our co-packers to a higher standard in terms of meeting certain specifications. Not that anyone's making a bad product. I do think it makes a difference, though, when you're doing the flavor work, really balancing things out. I think that makes a huge difference. Art classic tonic water we always thought of it as just it's a tonic it's nice you know it's, it's a good lime flavor it's very very balanced we entered competitions for the first time this year in san francisco we're a little brand named tito's and <laughs> entered the competition double golded and made a huge brand out of it we double golded it's only like one of ten products that get a double gold we're the only tonic water of a classic tonic water to do that and it It was pretty exciting. So we know we make some of the best products out there in this category. And our customers tell us that, right? We're not going out there with a ton of marketing dollars. We get repeat sales. We get organic growth. And our distributors tell that to us as well because they're in the market with it. Tasting it with bartenders. That's the first hurdle. Get off the ground with a good product.
0: I think that's the stuff that the big brands can't replicate either. Yeah. Like Coca-Cola can't do that. Pepsi can't do that. Huge brands can't do that. What they do is they wait for you to do it and prove it enough to just buy you. right? And they're like, now come do it for the brand, but you're in our conglomerate to do it. And I love the fact that I think based on all of the comments you've made, I would consider you almost a premium product. And being the premium product is the only way as a startup, you can survive because you don't have the scale to create the compressed margins that some bigger company can run under. It's the, you know, Tesla did that. It's it's not crazy. They created their most expensive car first, which made them a bunch of profit. Well, technically no profit because they reinvested (laughs) it all in growing the rest of their more economical cars. Right. So as soon as Pepsi buys you, they're just going to look at it and say, oh, like if they were operating in our ecosystem, we're getting them for free, essentially, because we're going to make it cheaper, faster, and distribute it further than they ever could do by themselves.
1: You see a lot of these companies have small venture accelerators or incubators in which they're investing in small brands. I think it's Diageo that has kind of an incubator for small brands and they just, they make, they look at it as small bets basically to see if, if these brands and these proof of concepts can come out of it. Anheuser-Busch has one. Coke had one for a while. I'm not certain if it's still going, the VEB. They have very skilled, smart people working for them for sure, you know, but the work and the passion has to be behind the brand. And that's kind of hard to find in in large companies because, they don't see it as their baby and any brand owner is going to say, this is essentially my baby. Yep. They're going to treat it that way. So if you know anyone that owns a brand, be very kind to them about their baby. Right. (laughs) They take it personally.
0: I was out at a, like a gala type event last night and somebody asked me, Oh, what do you do? And, you know, I, I have a few e-commerce stores, and I, I pulled out my wallet, right? And I was like, oh, I own this company, Forrest and Herald. And I, I typically will flash my wallet because that's our core product. And he let me finish my sentence, and then he pulled out his Forrest and Herald wallet.
1: <gasps> that's awesome.
0: And this doesn't happen to me, like... Because it's something that you kind of keep in your pocket. You don't necessarily, It's not the same as like our wristwear stuff that we're launching now where you can see it just on somebody. And like we just connected. We took a picture together. He was telling me how his oldest son has one. His youngest son's turning 16 and he's going to get him one so he can keep his new driver's license in it.
1: Nice.
0: When you make these connections with the right people, I'm assuming over, you know, a gin and tonic, you go with a bartender, and you make the connection. And it's like they could love you forever as the entrepreneur.
1: It sounds like we have a potential synergistic marketing platform.
0: <laughs> yeah, that market, right? Let's do that
1: together. We 100%. have our product appeals to the dads in the world as well as the moms in the world. But yeah, there is something about that consumer that found you, and then you find them, and you're like, "Wow, needle in the haystack." Maybe, but it's you know, depending on where you're at. Like in our our community, when people find out you know, I'm the owner of Topmo. they're like, oh, I love that brand. I I see it. I buy it all the time. You know, we hear that a lot now here in Milwaukee, but further out, you know, if I'm in California, maybe not. Although we're responding to someone in California now on email who wants to order our product direct. So, you know, how those, you know, wins happen, it's always kind of fascinating to me. Obviously, if you're a marketer, you're saying it's not magic, Mary, but I'm a product developer more than a marketer.
0: <laughs> How far do you reach right now? Are you mostly Midwest distribution, going full nationwide technically or are you do you have limitations?
1: You know, our limitations honestly is shipping. It's very costly to ship, so we don't do a ton of B2B or direct to consumer. We do have those channels open. Obviously, we have a Shopify website. People can order direct. We just sent out our holiday, you know, discounts and got several orders, which is nice. We got people buying all the time, and they're all around the country. The biggest challenge, though, we're in bottles and it's expensive. We even have a distributor in in Alaska. We ship to Fife, Washington, for them, and they pick it up there when people see pricing on the shelf they have to understand that a, you know a third to sometimes a half might be because of the shipping it costs to get there you know i'm sure in washington we're probably on the shelf for 10.99 11.99 a four pack and i understand that's competitive that's still competitive there you know we're 6.99 to 8.99 here so it it makes a big difference and that ends up potentially hurting you know your velocity of sales because you're not close enough to the final destination where you can get it there economically. In our long-term plans, we want to be making our products across the country. So not just in one co-packer, but in many. That's stealing a script out of breweries that have done the same thing. I tell the story about Coors who started in the middle of the country and they wouldn't ship beyond you know, the Mississippi for a long time. And when they finally did, it was a big deal. And, you know, is actually located in the middle of the country, they had this great shipping route, but they were limited on how effective they could be because it got expensive after a certain point. So it's a story. Anyone in beverage knows it's expensive to ship liquid in cans or bottles. So the closer to the consumer you can make it, the better.
0: Where do you see yourself going? You know, if we're kind of pivoting the conversation from looking backwards to looking forwards, what's your plans for the next six to 12 months? Where do you see yourself trying to focus on expanding How could this community help you if they could reach your next goals? What are those?
1: Well, we are currently testing some new products on our e-com channel. So if anyone wants to go to topnotonic.com and test out our cola and our lemon lime, give us a review, that's super helpful. We're testing those products to see if flavors and we're looking at positioning in the better for you soft drink set. So that's really one of the spaces we want to explore. We are also expanding our mixers into more standard grocery channel, something that we've stayed away from. We were growing before COVID. We had some presence in liquor, some obviously in specialty grocery, but not mainstream grocery. And now that COVID is kind of finally off the backs of everyone, we can Reapproach those mainstream grocers so that's one of our things that we're there's no reason we can't start really challenging ourselves to grow this brand onto the grocery shelves of america because people are still looking for premium mixers and the non-alcoholic segment continues to grow because people are drinking less so it's a combination of getting the premium products into the right people's hands in the right places and then also expanding our wings in, in other places where people may want to drink
0: yeah, and you're kind of doing that all yourself, on huh? With one other partner. You know? <laughs> yes. You can't expect it to go too fast. I mean, we we've talked about this offline, you and I. Like I can try to make some introductions to the the Miss Mary's mix crew who've done that. I also there's a acquaintance of mine that runs Gypsy Vodka out of Michigan and would love to make an introduction to those guys. Finding these partnerships may be a good way for you to get some of that exposure as well.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Talking to these brands where it's not competitive, but you guys can bounce ideas off of each other, get exposure for each other.
1: It's definitely synergistic. Whenever we talk with other distillers, it almost always results in some sort of placement or sale somewhere. So yeah, it's always good.
0: Yeah, because you're just trying to continue to break in, right? Break in and then somebody will, will one day open that door. A friend of mine out here invested in it was a kombucha brand they got into market basket because it, a guy drank the kombucha and then was just like this is great but i have the connection to market basket and wow. got him right right in there just because he liked the product and he just came across it not in market basket at that time and so it's just keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep making those connections. For sure. The door will eventually open. Yep. But do you think somebody like a Walmart or a Target or a Market Basket or a Kroger, those are kind of the the future to get the volume for you guys?
1: Yeah. So we're talking with Mariano's here locally, which is a Kroger brand, and so more mainstream grocers in our area, the Myers of the world—you're probably familiar with Myers. Coming from Michigan, those are good opportunities because they're regional, they're large enough, and they're also putting premium products on the shelf. The biggest challenge we have as a, as a mixer brand is that the shelf in mainstream grocery has been limited. So, you know, only so much space that they're opening up for other products. They have their generic products, they have their private branded, and then they have some premium. And up until probably last year, the grocery channel said, you know what, it's not growing fast enough, but now the data is there. The IRI data shows the only products in the channel that are growing are premium. So they're better off actually Pushing down or pushing off some of the generics and putting more premium on the shelf because they're, you know, if you want to see any lift, you have to have more premium on the shelf because everything else is dying. 5% down, 5% down, 5% down, you know, at some point they have to replace those losers with something that's going to see repeat sales at a higher
0: dollar. How do you get that customer who consumes you... Let's say in a bar yeah, to consume you in a grocery store or request you or do those things.
1: So usually the craft beer play was be seen in the bar and then be seen in the liquor store and then be seen in grocery. And that's kind of how craft beer grew. We're basically using that same playbook. Be seen in the bar, be seen in liquor and specialty grocery, and then be seen in mainstream grocery. Distribution in in its own is you know, if you're on the shelf in multiple places, you've probably seen this with other brands that you've not even known it, right? Oh, I see, I've seen that in three stores. I must buy it now. That alone is marketing. Greg Hall, the former brewmaster of Goose Island, told me pretty early on, he's like, just distro alone is marketing. Being seen on the shelf frequently enough gives the consumer confidence that you're something to buy. Being seen big So we're branded in a red box because we like to be seen and being seen just not in one slot, but in multiple slots. So that larger part of the shelf that you take gives consumers confidence, that alone is marketing. So we see it as it's a good opportunity not only to have the conversations with our retailer partners and see how we can differentiate ourselves even more. For them and the consumer that they've attracted, but just get the marketing done. That sales sometimes is the marketing <laughs> in this case. It is.
0: Every little bit helps. I'm sure there's social media that that you can do as well. Another one we've talked about it, and it can feel like a pipe dream, but instead of getting the influencers, getting the ambassadors is helpful. Like you might not get George Clooney, but if you can find somebody who really likes your product which is being as distributed as you are, there's somebody out there that really, really likes your product today. Yeah. That you would be like, I wish you would tell people that you liked my product because I think you're great and you have influence over a bunch of people. It's just finding out who that is, right? And trying to engage them.
1: We have been very blessed with the true ambassadors that have put our product in other people's hands. I can name multiple bartenders that have done that. I could name chefs that have done that. But yeah, we've had true ambassadors promote our product and that's actually how we've grown. It's been a very, very organic path for us. Word of mouth and just the true fans of craft find top note and then they share it with others. And that's, for me, that's a real beautiful story. You know, I grew up, And craft beer. That's how craft beer grew. It's a different channel, obviously a different category than craft beer, but it's still exciting to be there. And just like you found someone that found your wallet, (laughs) I always get excited when I hear someone tried the product without me asking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But there may be like a deal to be made there, right? If it is the right ambassador, and we're working on this at Forrest and Herald as an example, we're trying to find that right ambassador group of Modern Dads, which is our, our target niche, to come work with us. Chris Helmsworth, if you're listening, <laughs> we'd love to have you, buddy. He's a great dad. Jason Kelsey, <laughs> if you're listening, you're another podcast bro. Come join us. If they align with the vision of who you're targeting and they like the product, maybe they want to even be involved in the product, but they have this reach, it's sort of their it's their focus area. While you're the product developer and warehouse manager and you're doing all of these other things, it is really hard to be this person who is an audience creator. They can then market your company. There's a lot of people that already have audiences out there. And guess what? They're not very good at creating products, but they love products themselves. And they recognize the future that they have to leverage the the audience that they've created through monetization of products. And I call it the ambassador because I don't like the idea of like thousands of influencers as much as I like the idea of like a handful of ambassadors that really align with your product. And if they do a good job, you may even throw them a little bit of equity, but you may have them involved in the product development process in the future. There's a neat relationship there. And they don't have to be Chris Hemsworth. While that would be awesome, there's plenty of people with like 500,000 followers. This buddy of mine, Jake, just started converting his Tacoma truck. His Instagram salvaged scenic. If anybody's out there wants to look it up, he converted his truck into essentially a camper to drive out west. And in a month's time, he's gone from starting it to 500,000 people following it. Wow! But now the problem is, he doesn't have a great way to monetize it. Eventually, YouTube and Instagram and TikTok will let him monetize some of the ad streams. But for him, he technically needs to make brand partnerships. Mm -hmm. So we gave him a bunch of our, we run the brand Viable Harvest sunglasses, wood sunglasses. So we gave him a bunch of those and we gave him a bunch of wallets because he's a friend of mine, I'm like, dude, Go talk about this. Like, I'll pay you. You've got an audience. If you convert people, I'll pay you. He's going out west of Colorado. We interviewed Crazy Creek. Have you ever seen these... Like foldable chairs right here.
1: Yeah, I see that.
0: So these guys are out in Montana, and I'm like, dude, take the Crazy Creek chair with him. I gave him one, and he's gonna go shoot a video for Crazy <laughs> Creek while he's gone. I'll be like, I'll make an intro to you. You can be an- Let's a. Let's
1: get him some gin and some tonic, and then they get to sit on the chair. I love this.
0: <laughs> oh Yeah, <laughs> we'll, get some, we'll get some to Jake, and he'll tell people about it. He's the younger guy. He, I think he's you know 22 or 23.
1: Uh, as long as he's legal, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know so find your jake out there i love it and bring him in and have some fun and you'll figure it out
1: find your jake you're going to coin that as a new hashtag
0: he's going to be listening to this I'm not going to tell him he's going to be listening to this driving out to Colorado when it goes live probably he'll be like you you said me on the air (laughs) so where can people find you you've got your Facebook page you've got your Instagram page you've got your website give me shameless plugs on those are they all top note
1: yeah www.store.topnotonic.com gets you there faster but topnotonic.com or at topnotonic on any of those channels you can find what we're doing we love when people put a hashtag out with top note tonic and i always repost i love you know naturally synergizing with folks on insta so dm me that's fine too and yeah we're we're happy to keep getting good products in your hands some of the things that we love to see are people using these healthy in a healthy way that's responsible so yeah
0: Awesome. If somebody listens to this and tags their top note tonic picture of them using your product on your Instagram and they somehow tag the Tap Market Podcast, I will send you a pair of our Viable Heart with sunglasses.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: For free. Yes. To anyone that tags us both. (laughs) Okay. Mary, you can even go tell your friends like, hey, just go tag it.
1: I'm going to go put that out there.
0: We can can repost it. (laughs) Tap Market Podcast, Instagram. Top Note, Tonic, Instagram. It's just a picture of her product being used. Free pair of sunglasses. Love it. Whoever wants to do it. I don't think I will have to limit it, but my partner, Nick, might kill me for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Let's have fun.
1: Go on our website. We've got some great deals going right now, too. So now's the time to buy and try.
0: Good. Mary, it was an absolute pleasure to have you here. You're always welcome back as you launch more products. I'll be getting some myself and we'll be testing it, shooting videos. I will be posting links to all the stuff that we outlined on all of our channels so people can get access to it. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Troy. And uh, thanks to all your fans out there for sharing. We uh, love the community.
0: Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes, so we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way, and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.